I know we're in love. I, I got the heart emoji this morning. What does that take? Because in the end, it was all empty anyway. Pictures everywhere. I mean, it looks like a crime scene, right? Everybody always says you can't change somebody, but you can change yourself. Obsession. Thanks for joining us. Season two, episode three. Unrequited love and jealousy. Yep, we got lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about unreturned love? Right? We've all experienced it. Yeah? I think we have. Dr. B. And Mandy Johnson. And you're listening to It's Not Human Sexuality. Unrequited love. Yes, it's an unfortunate truth that I think most of us have dealt with at some point. Right. So in episode two, we talked about attraction, right? What constituted it. We sort of came up with, you know, you'll know it when you know it. But that attraction can lead to relationships. And or not. Or not. Or relationships in your head, right? <laughs> Sometimes what we call one-sided or one-hand clapping. And the some of those terms of where we land is um, unreturned love or unrequited love. And so I have three examples that I like to use, especially when I was teaching and talking to my college students. And the three styles that I really like talking about are the Cyrano style, the Giselle style, and the Don Quixote style. I'm the Don Quixote. Okay, do you want to talk about that first? or No, let's go through them in your order, just okay. so we don't get lost. Okay. So the Cyrano style is based after Cyrano de Bergerac, and he loved Roxanne. He loved her, loved her, loved her. And they were good friends. And, you know, he wasn't her type, right? I mean, yeah. some people would have said in the concept of attraction, he was not attractive, but he had a great wit and he was great with the written word. And so he got stuck in the friend zone. He did. He got stuck in the friend zone because he never let Roxanne know he loved her. It's the theme to a lot of movies. It is stuck in the friend zone. You can get out of the friend zone, right? But what does that take? What, what does that take? You have these feelings for somebody. They're a good friend. And you, you want more. So what do you do with that? I think you sometimes just have to take that leap and plunge into it and tell them how you feel. And what do you risk? The worst thing they can do is say no, and you're stuck in the same place you always were. Or even worse. Where they, you lose the friend. You lose the friend, right? But I think when we talk about the Cyrano style of unreturned love or unrequited love, it's, it's heartbreaking because she never knew. So how many people have we met in our lives that we didn't say, hey, I really like you. I, I would like to see where this goes and, and give it a shot. But, but they don't. And so that is the Serano style of love. And then we have the Giselle style. And Giselle, uh, she, she loved, she was in love. And everything that she saw in this person that she was in love with, she misinterpreted their motives or their body language. So uh, an example I like to use is let's say that there is somebody that you were attracted to and they invite you to their party and you tell everybody, did you see that? Did you see that? You invited me. Yeah. 
I was invited to their party and everybody's like, everybody was invited. And you're like, no, 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 I was special. I got that special invitation. They're into me. They invited me to the party. And so then you all go to the party and this person is a really decent host. So they meet you at the door and kind of maybe grab you by the elbow and lead you around and introduce you to people. And in in your head, you're going, see, see, they're so into me. They dig me. This is a relationship now. Yeah, I'm just, they're, they're just in so much in love with me. And everybody's going, no. That's not the reality. They did that with everybody. Exactly. And so that is the Giselle style of love where you are misinterpreting body language. And it's it's so horrible because everybody around you sees the reality. But you don't. Right. You I, have... I talk to my students about this because I, I see it a lot with, I know we're in love. I, I got the heart emoji this morning, yeah. you know, type of thing where there might be some, you know, level of. Maybe they're trying it on for size. Maybe maybe that person is wondering if they're into you or maybe you are in the friend zone and and um, they're not attracted. But but because they talk to you yeah. and because they sit next to you in, in class mm-hmm. and, and they choose to, you know, that all these signs are misinterpreted into it's bigger than it is. And we're in a relationship and mm-hmm. and it's no, he loves me back or she loves me back. No, it's not there. It's not and it's, there. And it's. It's heartbreaking to watch. And and then when the blinders are lifted and you see what the reality is, you can be humiliated by it, right? And so then that can lead to more isolation and depression. And But I think you bring home a really solid point that you see it all the time in your students, right? It happens all the time. And it doesn't really even matter how old you are. It can happen at any age, right? We just happen to be around our students. We see them interacting on a daily basis. And we just want to go... Hey, it may be your reality, but it's not the reality. You won't know you're in it. That's the most heartbreaking part about the Giselle style of love is you don't, you, if you're experiencing that style of unreturned love, you don't know it. That's what everybody around you knows that everybody else sees the reality that you're misreading body language and you're playing too much into the little morsels of attention that you're getting. Everybody else sees it, but you don't. And sure, your friends can tell you, hey, this is not what's going on. And you'll just, you'll you just won't say, believe them. you won't believe them. You'll just say, well, you're just jealous or it's just sour grapes or you don't, you don't understand the things that they tell me and say to me and you don't see everything. And, and so I don't know how somebody gets out of that, off that hamster on the wheel. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe sometimes the person that they're infatuated with finally gets into a real relationship with somebody else and they're completely devastated. But at that point, maybe the reality does sink in. And that's the hard part about the Giselle style is you don't know you're in it because you are just misreading everything. Well, like so many other things about relationships, if somebody else tells you, but you're in it and you want it to be real and you want to be in this love, it doesn't matter who or how many people tell you something. You don't want to believe it. You're not going to. And I think to to say um, to if you were in this style of unreturned love, you would not feel the need to ask this person, how do you feel about me? Or this is how I feel about you. Do you feel the same way about me? Because you think they already do because you're you're missing. You've convinced yourself that they they like you. And I mean, you're overreading everything. You're overreading every little body language and they wore the shirt that they know i like yeah yeah they walked by me at lunch and winked um or i got a shout out you know uh, across the gym 
uh, it's horrible. It's it's a horrible place to be. So I don't I don't know how how you know you get off off that vortex. I mean, it's it's um I think it really has to do with the person that you are infatuated with that you feel is infatuated with you does get into another relationship. I think that's probably where it ends. Or or you might get tired of it not actually culminating into something solid and then just move on to another unrequited venture because that's all you know and that's how you operate. So that leads us um, to the Don Quixote style of love. You said that that was you. That was me. The, the Don Quixote style being that... Um, you know, you love the idea of love and it doesn't really matter who you fall in love with. You just kind of jump from love to love to love to love, not really caring as much about who the person is, but really enjoying the process of it. At least that's how it was for me. Sure. Enjoying the process. Right. You and and you wanted to be you liked being in love. You liked being in a relationship. So and you might quickly fall into that. Right. So you yes. might say. So examples I always use in class were, okay, that you're the person who goes, you start dating and you're just like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And the other person's like, yeah, not so much. And then they're like, oh, okay. And then they move on to the next one. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You're my world. And the other person's like, no, that's creeping me out. And you're like, well, okay. And then you just keep moving down. And one of the most important things I think that somebody that we acknowledge, I think, in this style of love is these people don't want to be alone, right? right? They just like the idea of being in love. It it makes them feel secure. Um, but there's really maybe nothing returned or lasting in that. And in the end, I think for to find what you really need in a relationship, what do you think is the best medicine for somebody who has the Don Quixote style of love? Well, I think hearkening back to what we were talking about in episode two, is checking in with yourself and looking at that intrapersonal script and really figuring out what it is that, for me, it was having to figure out that it wasn't the people, it was the process that I enjoyed. It was the meeting somebody and all those fun feelings and, and then realizing that I was never going to have a relationship if, if all I was looking for was the initial excitement of it. Right. And that, you know, again, that had to, had to do with for me, just checking in and realizing what I really wanted was a relationship and not fun, exciting feelings all the time. Right. And so you're so what the key point of that to me is checking in. Right. And so for the most part, in my opinion, somebody who functions on the Don Quixote style of love, the best thing they can do for themselves is to be alone for a while. Absolutely. Right? Just figure out who they are, figure out who they are and that it's it's. It's not all about the, you know, just being, uh, it's okay to be alone. Yeah. It's okay to not always be in love. And, you know, and, and what's so interesting about the Don Quixote style of love is that they don't really even care about the rejection. Like that doesn't even bother them because it's unreturned love, right? It's that, it's that style of unreturned love, but it's like, well, I'll just move on to the next one. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't really matter. Because in the end it was all empty anyway. Right, exactly. And I think you can even take that style of love to another level by if we see this sometimes in uh, young people, right, and they are just going from one person to the next, they sometimes might get the label of being a player, mm -hmm. right? But it's different than being a player because a player is sort of a, this conscious effort of 
I'm just going to string you along because I know you like me, and then I'm going to break your Dump heart you and get and somebody then, else. Right. So that's it's not really the same thing. Mm. Um, it kind of has the same pattern, but the motivation is different. Yes. So that kind of leads us to this concept that a lot of people don't really know about, don't really use, but I think it's an important concept that we need to bring back, and that's called limerence. Limerence can be a real scary thing. It can be. It's it's worse than unreturned love. It's it's a whole new level of obsession, and we can see it in any level of age group. Um, adults get it. Um, young people get it. And it can lead to really bad outcomes. I mean, it can even lead to violence or murder or, you know, killing off what you think is your competition. And and we see these stories all the time. Limerence of, makes me think of stalkers, for sure. For sure. And you know, acts of passion, right? Mm-hmm. And so an example of this is, so let's say, and I'll use a, a high school student as an example. And they have this what they call um, an objectified person or a limerence um, objectified person or an LO that they are convinced they're going to have a relationship with. And this person may not even know they exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, just really may not even know they exist, but they know that this other person exists. And so they are completely absorbed and controlled by it. So they might ask for a locker location change so they can be close to their locker. They may go get their whole schedule changed change, to be in classes with them, to be in classes with them or to know their schedule so that they can be in that hallway. When they come out, they may start noticing the types of person that this other person is interested in and they might change their dress and their hair and, and try their, to get in it, with that crowd to get in with that crowd or start doing things just to be noticed. This is this whole completely physical emotional consuming what what is the word i'm looking for consuming consuming obsession obsession right and it can lead to some really bad outcomes and it's it's not talked about and we don't really say anything about it but it can lead it's really it's a form of stalking yeah yeah and we know what that can lead to well it can lead to violence it can lead to murder and death i mean it can lead to some pretty scary situations and it can even lead to suicide right absolutely because of the feeling of despair especially at the end when they finally realize wow this person doesn't see me i'm invisible i'm not important when they were their whole lives i mean you walk into their room and they have pictures everywhere i mean it looks like a crime scene right with i'm I'm thinking now of the movie better off dead and not everybody's going to remember that movie because you know well it's old but but yeah, literally, when you walked into his room, his whole room was covered in pictures of the one girl. Right. You know, just everything, everything. Um, and if anybody out there hasn't ever seen Better Off Dead, go check it out. This is Limerence. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And I think, you know, I don't know why we don't talk to our young about it. I don't know why we don't bring this up. It's definitely a concept they can understand. And it's... It's very real, and I think it needs to be addressed because I think even more now in the digital age, we see it manifesting in that, right? It's really easy to stalk somebody online and find out everything about them, including their schedule and on a daily and maybe where they practice after school and and really easy follow them around because they check in on Snapchat with everywhere they go. Right. Be friends with them on Facebook because what's another friend request, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the goal is to have 15, 1,600, 
2,000 friends, right? So now you're you're in that loop and now you can see their wall and you can, you know, stalk them. And then of course, you don't even have to carry around a camera anymore because you have your phone. And so if you want to just snap pictures of them, you can in any way possible. And we don't talk about this. And I don't, it's an old concept and it's an old process and it's an old thought, but it's really resurfacing. And I think it needs to be addressed in the concept of having actually, I don't want to say diagnosis, but to be able to say to kids, hey, I think this is what you're experiencing. And then we put a name to it and then they think they're not, well, okay, that makes me feel better. I'm not crazy. Other people do this. I'm not, I'm not alone. Right. There's also relationships that are not just one hand clapping. You know, we have relationships all over. You and I both do. People have relationships that are real, that are returned, that are- that Both are, parties involved. Are, oh, and- yep, they're reciprocated. But they, there are things that can come into the relationship that can make it bumpy, right? Not a smooth ride. Always. And that can actually sabotage it. And one of those things that dun, I- Dun, 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 dun. Is? Jealousy. Yeah. Yep, that green-eyed monster. And I mean, when we think about jealousy, it has- really not much value everybody has jealousy it's it's healthy right i mean and it's not just jealousy in relationships i mean we have jealousy of like wow i wish i had that car sometimes it drives us to better ourselves when we have feel jealous exactly but when we talk about jealousy in relationships it is often not always but is often an indication of our own misgivings or self-doubt our own insecurities right? our own insecurities and that's the baggage that we're bringing in right and jealousy can definitely drive a wedge into a otherwise healthy relationship right congratulations you just destroyed another really good relationship because you doubted your partner right yeah so one of the things that i always try to explain to my students is that i i like to categorize jealousy in two categories one is suspicious jealousy and the other one is reactive and so just to briefly define those, suspicious jealousy is is based on if. You know? I, I think of it as all in your head. <laughs> it, well, yeah, you're suspicious, right? Yeah. One of the ways this could manifest is, let's say, obviously, you don't trust your partner, right? Because right. you are suspicious of them you're, and you have the suspicious jealousy. Like they're if they're not home with you, they're out with, they're cheating on you, right? Or something right. like that. And so what do you do? Well, you don't really want to come out and say this because you know you don't want to sound like this a crazy obsessed, person <laughs> yes, <obsessed laughs> crazy person so your partner comes home and you're cooking dinner and they say to you hey how long till dinner and you go oh um you know about 15 minutes and they're like oh well that gives me time to take a shower and you go right and so before they do that you walk over and you give them a hug and you're smelling them you know like <laughs> down one side <laughs> And you're trying to find the scent of yeah. somebody else. Why do you need a shower as soon as you get home? <laughs> yeah. So you're smelling them and then they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And then they <laughs> put down their phone in front of you, which should be like a, you know, that should tell you they feel safe. with They have nothing to hide, right? Right. And let's pretend they don't lock their phone. And so they put their phone down and they go to take a shower and you wait till you hear that water running. And then right? you're going through it, going through it. Yeah. Who they text, who they see, where they go, you know, where do they, you know, they might even... You might even have a tracker on them, which is crazy. But I know people who do this. And so you're driving yourself simple. And I'm and I used to tell my students, if you don't trust your partner, what are you doing? Why are in you this together? relationship? Why are you there? You think so little of them. Why are you there? Yeah. And I, I see this again in, in teenagers a lot with and a lot of a lot of teenagers 
think that jealousy is a good thing you know if, right if they're jealous then then that means they love me oh yeah and and the reason that they get jealous of that person is because of how much they love me and they're not seeing it as a as a warning sign or a red flag of anything or or even a problem they're seeing it as confirmation for them of how loved they are um but one of the ways that i think it manifests for for a lot of teenagers and is in the constant texting what are you doing where are you at and and again a lot of teenagers are seeing this as oh we're so in love that we text 50 times a day and and really what it comes down to is the suspicious jealousy and not knowing what that person is doing anytime they're not in the same room with you and wanting to check in constantly yeah you know and and but they're they're not all realizing that they're in this kind of relationship or that this is jealousy or or that that kind of jealousy isn't the greatest thing no and suspicious jealousy is very um controlling right it's it's sort of a it's rather it's i kind of see it as an aggressive behavior right because now this person who really might really like you and you might have a really good relationship is is so afraid to step outside of any type of contact that because they don't want to upset you they don't want to have to explain themselves or where they were or who they're you know who they talked to or who they sat with at lunch they just don't they don't want to go there so they isolate themselves so then now this person who has a suspicious jealousy has you exactly where you want right because you don't want to upset the that person you don't want to fight and so for you it's just like it's just easier to isolate yourself from all your friends and everything is fine until it isn't yeah right and so i think the important thing to understand is for me with with respect to suspicious jealousy is you need to think more of your partner if you want to stay in that relationship because if you're so convinced they're going to cheat on you then why are you there and more importantly is you need to think more about yourself right i was going to say is check in with yourself because what is it about What's going on in your head? Are these thoughts you're having that you're now suspicious that they're also having? Or is yeah. this, you know, where, where is it stemming from? And, and what are your insecurities that are causing that? Right. And why do you think so little of yourself? Why do you think so little of yourself that you're just convinced that this person is, gonna, is going to wrong you? Right. right. And chances are real high. And I mean, real high that. You developed this over time because maybe of a bad relationship before. And so what this does is suspicious jealousy brings into this new relationship baggage from other relationships that the person that you're with has to pay for for somebody else's crime. Right. They have nothing to do with it. And that is going to ruin it faster than fast. I can tell you, I when my oldest daughter was a teenager, when she turned about 13, and I know this isn't the same kind of relationship, but it's the same concept here. Um, and she'd go to her friend's house. I'm going to stay the night, mom. And this was, you know, she'd just gotten a cell phone. And the first couple of times she did this, I, and she was a teenager. So I got real worried because I was not a good teenager. And, <laughs> and so my insecurities about what I was like as a teenager manifested into her where I'm calling the house where she's at and I'm calling the landline. Like, I'm not calling your cell phone. I'm calling the landline. I want to make sure you're there. And uh, her and I got into some arguments during that time because she's like, why don't you trust me? Right. And I had to check in with myself and realize what I didn't trust was who I was as a teenager. Right. It had nothing to do with her. Right. It had absolutely. She was a very trustworthy kid, but I wasn't. And so I suspected that she wouldn't. And, and I thought, oh, she's sneaking around because that's what I would have done when I was her age. 
Oh, but see, that's a really good point, right? Because maybe the person who is always suspicious is the one who needs, is the one who's doing the wrongdoing. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that angle. That's an important angle, right? If yeah. you're the one who's always jealous, like, and I think a lot of people say that if you're the one who's always jealous. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, you're accusing somebody of doing what you are doing. And that's why you feel guilty. And so therefore, you're just going to project it onto them. Yes. And that's suspicious jealousy. And reactive jealousy, a little different, sometimes warranted, right? It's sort mm-hmm. of the territorial thing of... Uh, you something know, happened. Something happened and you didn't like it. It like kind of, you know, made you a little uneasy at the gut level. And an example I always use is let's say you and your partner are at a party, right? And let's say... <laughs> You dragged them there. They didn't even want to go. But as a courtesy, like, okay, fine, I'll go with you, blah, blah, blah. So they go to the party with you and you split up because you should, right? Because you go mingle and do things. And you look across the room and you see somebody you kind of really don't like hitting on them. Uh And you're like, and you like, excuse me, whoever you're talking to, excuse me a minute. And you sort of, you know, stomp your little way over there and, and you might go, hi, honey. And you put your arm through theirs and you look at the person and you give them that look like. All the body language that yeah, says, this is mine. This is mine. And, you know, animals pee on their, <laughs> on their, you know, territory. And then you're just kind of doing that verbally. And you go, honey, there's somebody I want you to meet or talk to. And you drag them away from that situation, right? That's reactive jealousy. You know, I get it. That's okay. You did that. But it needs to stop there, right? right? No harm, no foul. They didn't do anything wrong, right? They were probably were just, you know, just sitting there listening to this person, not even realizing they were getting hit on. But unfortunately, it doesn't always stop there. Right. Because you get in the car and you're on the ride home. Why and, were you talking to that person? Yeah, I know. And they're in their ear, la, 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 you know, and finally they turn to you and go, you know what? I didn't even want to come to this party. I came as a courtesy to you. And now this is what I get. And then it leads into something way bigger. And so the reactive jealousy part, you know, understandable maybe, right? Mm-hmm. But leave it, drop it, move on, you know. And again, it comes down to trust. If you yeah. trust your partner, then you might see something that makes you feel jealous, but you have to be able to let it go. If they say nothing was happening, this is nothing that I didn't even realize I was being hit on. Letting it go because you trust that partner and not letting it be something that continues on and eats away and eats away and gets bigger and bigger until it explodes like a blister. Yep. And once again, congratulations. You have ruined a totally healthy relationship. (laughs) And that's and that's really unfortunate. And so what kind of tools can we give people to put in their toolkit about unrequited love, limerence, and jealousy. So yeah, I mean, you're talking about that's where you have to check in and say, what's going on with me? Why am I feeling this way? You know, because sometimes it might be that you just got some bad news that day and you're feeling unsteady about your future. Maybe you didn't get that job that you just interviewed for, or, you know, it could be anything that just kind of got you left of center and you're feeling un off balance, right? And so you're going to project that onto your relationship and seeing that and saying, okay, so now my relationship is as unsteady too. I can't trust that. So what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think checking in with yourself and again, looking at what's in me that's causing these feelings, but then also having that conversation with the partner and saying, I'm feeling this. Yeah. You know, and, and this is a great time to bring up those communication styles and say, using some I messages would be great. And say, I'm feeling jealous rather than coming at them with you did this thing. Yeah. And just saying, I'm feeling this way and I want to let you know. And and maybe 
maybe it'd be easier if, if you didn't talk to that other person sometimes or, you know, but coming at them and, and asking them about it or sharing with them how you feel so that they can reassure you. And if you're in a strong, healthy relationship, sometimes that reassurance is all you need. Right. And, and the other person on the receiving end of that jealousy, you know, stent is going to go, oh, I get it. I get it now. You know, you do trust me. You're just feeling you're just feeling insecure right now. Not always like you, especially with reactive jealousy. It's typically not somebody who's jealous all the time. It's just yeah. sort of an, a situation of, oh, wait, what's that? <laughs> what just happened there? Um, and, and then you're checking in. Right. And so I think that's important for the, your partner to know, hey, I do trust you. I just am feeling small today or I'm feeling, you know, this is not I'm not feeling secure. What can we do to, to fix that or make me feel better? Right. Or make us, you know, get past that. Make this work. Yeah. Or you might actually, as it evolves in that conversation, you might go, well, on top of all of that, I didn't get that job I interviewed for. And then you go, bingo, there it is. Right? That's what's really going on. Right. And so, again, the communication piece is critical. Yeah. You know, so circling back, we've talked about some stuff that isn't fun. Right. Yeah. You know, like nobody wants to be in unrequited love. They don't. Everybody would probably wants their love returned. But... Um, I think if you see yourself in some of the things we've said today, you know, we've said check in with yourself, check in with yourself. But if you if you see some of this in yourself and you don't seem to be able to check in with yourself and move past it, it's not a bad idea to think about talking to a professional and, and laying it out and saying, you know, what, what can I do? What skills can I develop to break these habits that are not fulfilling me, right? What, where can I go with that? And what kind of answers can I get with a professional, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're neither of us are therapists or professionals in that way, but there are people out there who can help. Right. And I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind is if you see yourself in this, if you have a jealous streak, if you, you know, um, are obsessed with somebody and are stalking them, you know, these are some flags and maybe maybe a therapist or someone to talk to would really go a long way. And, And, you know, everybody can change. Everybody yeah. always says you can't change somebody, but you can change yourself. You can change yourself. If you see something in yourself you don't like. You are 100% in charge of yourself. Yes, you just have to do the work. You do. Well, I think that wraps it up. Thanks for joining us. This is Dr. B. And Mandy Johnson. And this was episode three of season two on unrequited love and jealousy. Yep. And if you want more, you can check it out at info at lookbothways.org. Send us an email and we'll send you some info. on the next episode of It's Not Human Sexuality. Communication, rules of engagement, that sort of thing. And now I'm putting a period so you don't think I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Advice is kind of like sand in your hand, right? Some of it you just let filter on through and the other you just hold on tight. Hard to communicate about a relationship if you can't even, if you don't even agree what the words are. Right. Why are you using all caps? Are you screaming at me? I can't not do nonverbal communication, Betsy. Look at you gesturing wildly right now. (laughs) Like there are... 50 other tables, and this person chose to sit right next to you. (laughs) Here we go again. This 
podcast is produced by Hannah Copeland and recorded by Jeff Ratterman. All content is created by reproductive biologist, Dr. Betsy Cairo, and human sexuality education teacher, Mandy Johnson. We record at Redstone Sound in Loveland, Colorado. It's Not Human Sexuality is made in support of the nonprofit Look Both Ways, whose mission is to improve the lives of youth by imparting the knowledge and skills necessary to make informed decisions about their reproductive health. Did you learn anything? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So at the end of this, you both are going to be like, oh, I know too much. I feel like I need to not know all this. Yeah, <laughs> totally.